Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Tangent Podcast. Uh, once again, joined, joined by my friend Jakub. Sorry if my voice, voice will be a bit nasal today. I'm just uh, I'm just a little sick, but hopefully you're not going to hear that uh, coughing. Well, and, uh, I, I, I will match you right there because I'm also sick right now. So we're going to sound the same. It will even, it will even it be It seems like around. everyone is sick right now, right? I mean, I, I don't think September is usually this cold. And I think that's what's, that's what's been... Uh, destroying our immune systems. Anyhow, <laughs> before we get to the challenges that uh, happened this week, I think we might talk about uh, two retirements that happened uh, during the last seven days. Which one do you want to yeah. start with? I think we should start with um, probably the worst challenger player, but the better player overall is Roger Federer. Uh, who who retired? Obviously, it's it's very very sad for him to have to go this way. Um, obviously, he was meant to originally retire in Basel, I believe, or it was... No, uh, it, it, it wasn't announced uh, that he would retire there. It was just certain that yeah, he was going yeah. to play Lavery Cup and Basel, yeah. Yeah, but obviously, he, he I don't think he was able to get himself to a fitness level where he could compete uh, in Basel, so he decided to end it at Lavery Cup, which I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, we've been seeing the the video of him crying next to Rafa and them holding hands, and it's yeah, it's it's very very sad and an end of an era for sure, an era that extends our both our lives really. So it's it's very weird for him to be gone now. Yeah, when it comes to challengers, he won a title in 1999 October in Brest. Uh, he actually played just eight challengers events in singles, I think. So really didn't stay there for for uh, for a long time. That's for sure. He got 97 points for winning Brest and actually a very good field. Uh, Mikael Lodra was in the quarters. Max Mirney was the finalist wow. and Martin Dam, of course, senior, the, the guy who's on my, we might be seeing more in challengers uh, pretty soon was in the semis. Um, he also won, I think, a challenger in uh, doubles. Yeah, yes, in, in Segovia. Yeah, yeah, in, in Segovia, <coughs> partnering uh, Sander Gruen, uh, beating Ota Fukarek and Alejandro Hernandez, three men that I've never heard of before, if I'm honest. Yeah, uh, me neither. I, I think the only guy I know from that doubles event alongside Federer, the, the, you know, the guys who he beat is Jonathan Erlich, who's also retiring next week, by the way. Maybe we'll mention him uh, during during the next episode. And yeah, I'm just I don't know. Uh, a word of comment, I, I I have to say that it was it was Federer that got me into tennis. And even though I'm definitely not in that crazy fanboy era, uh, I, I've spent quite a lot of time, a few years, being more of a Federer fan than a tennis fan. Of course, right now it's totally different. Uh, sort of working with the sport has really made me uh, a lot more, um, I, I don't know, if objective, but just neutral in in a way. But still, I I, I was definitely crying a lot, honestly, uh, when when he, uh, you know, during that ceremony. 
following a tennis player even so closely, even as successful as Federer was, uh, it's a lot of pain. Uh, but honestly, I just felt like in that in that moment, I felt like it was all worth it, and it was really. Uh, you know, well, a beautiful experience and uh, one that I'm really glad for. And yeah, as as we mentioned, he played a few challengers, won one in doubles, won one in singles. So it's a nice, uh, nice way to remember that these guys also had to go through the tour at some point. And part of what we are doing here is actually you know, trying to see who is going to get to the top uh, as uh, you know next. Yeah, uh, I I didn't grow up a, a Federer fan, but I feel like I, uh, I, I like I, I appreciated him throughout. I was never a, a Federer hater or anything like that. Um, yeah, it just feels very very odd uh, now. But yeah, uh, yeah. In, in in my mind, obviously, he probably won't go down as the greatest of all time in, in the slam counts and everything. Uh, but he will forever be the most iconic tennis player. He will be the guy that you, I think everybody thinks of when you say tennis, when you think about tennis. Yeah. Uh, he's, just, he's got a lot of this. Mm -hmm. He has become over his career. It's, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of this impact that isn't really visible in titles in, uh, yeah, just popularizing the sport, uh, playing it the way he did so aggressively with such elegance that that he got a lot of people into tennis i was a djokovic and nadal hater at some point even uh, but obviously not right now i mean I, I right now i just appreciate all of them uh but Federer was definitely the favorite for me he plays uh i mean he, he just plays tennis the way i enjoy it most uh he he, he literally played his play style is literally what i want to see on the court most of the time so uh, so that's that's a help. I also got to see him live, which uh, I at the time probably didn't appreciate uh, that much. But, you know, looking at it right now, I'm super glad that I did. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see Djokovic or Nadal, but uh, but at least I got this this guy out of the big three. Uh, I was in Halle 2019 uh, when he won. I was at the semis and finals, so he beat Herbert and Goffin. Uh, honestly, pretty easy matches, so it wasn't anything like I, I think. If if it was like a tight third setter, then the the experience would have been even greater. But as I said, I, I I'm very glad that they did. And I guess we can go to the second guy. Much more uh, well, uh, when it comes to challengers, we've seen him a lot. Federer, as I said, 1999 yeah. October, you weren't even alive. I had like nine months, <laughs> but uh, Noah Rubin, we definitely got to see a lot in the challengers. Yeah, absolutely, Noah Rubin. Um, it's he, he didn't call it a retirement. He he called, he called it sort of like a. I don't know, like like an extended break, an extended hiatus. He doesn't know when he's going to return, uh, but this is it for now. Um, yeah, he won four challenger titles over the course of um, you know three and a half seasons here, starting in Charlottesville at the end of 2015. His last title was in Tallahassee in April 2018. Uh, two final losses as well. I got to see him. I want to say like two or three times live. Um, I was meant to do an interview with him once that I never got in the end, which was <laughs> a sort of a shame because I probably won't, won't get it now for a while. What was the reason? Uh, it, it was just like, I, I asked if I can do an interview with him in um, in, in Newport Beach at the, mm -hmm. the challenge. There. He said yes, but he has to practice first. Mm -hmm. uh, after practice, I, I did other interviews. I think that was the day I did my Andreas Shellstrom interview, my uh, Sasha Bublik interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time I was sort of free again, he was gone. Uh, I couldn't find them anywhere. And <laughs> that was sort of it. So, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if you wrote Noir now, he pr- he'd probably give you an interview. He obviously did a lot of good stuff for tennis off the court as well. Uh, behind the racket. I think he was also uh, one of the guys who tried to popu- uh, popularize UTRs uh, as well, right? I think he had some connections mm-hmm. there. And obviously the uh, behind the racket or, or what, what's it? No, that's not how it's called. What's the name of the of the pod he did with Mike Cation? I mean, they're, they're still doing it sort of. That, that's that, that's what it's called though. I think. Behind, behind the racket that. as well? Yeah, maybe. maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. cool. I, I I absolutely forgot. I know, it's, I know it has like a coffee in in the logo or something i can't remember well, it, it used to be called the coffee cast with my occasion oh yeah came out more of a full-time co-host so oh yeah you're that. absolutely right that's what that's what was messing me up i, I remembered the coffee part <laughs> and, I, and i didn't yeah so uh, a lot of fun stuff of the court and a lot of um you know trying to help the lives of lower ranked tennis players which he obviously was one of the one of them as well uh, but as you said, four hundred titles. Uh, it doesn't really seem like he was that successful because you know of late it just it was nothing close to that to that level. So um, you know, but he had his time in the sun. Won a couple, uh, won a couple of rounds at the Australian Open, and of course, uh, of course, he was also the Wimbledon Boys Singles Champion in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and and I love uh, behind the racket. I, I I love the way that it enables to you know so many stories to be told that I think otherwise we would have no way of of knowing about just because those players usually aren't uh, covered uh, like that that often or you know maybe wouldn't feel comfortable sharing something like that in just an interview. But when they have like a full control of the post, they would do it. Uh, so yeah, he's he's still doing a lot of good work even if we, if we don't see him on the courts anymore. Yeah, and it's very uh, like it. It goes together with what we're doing here as well. <laughs> I mean, the you know, just giving yeah. maybe maybe not so much giving it the platform for tennis players, but you know, talking about guys that aren't talked about at all, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. So in that way, I think we we certainly can relate to Noah a lot. Uh, all right, so I guess we can we can get to the events now. We had one uh, one hundred and twenty five, so I guess that's where we're starting, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, let's start in Genoa with Tiago Monteiro, uh, won the title over Andrea Pellegrino, 6-1-7-6, his eighth challenger title, uh, his second 125 title of the season after winning uh, Salzburg, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on his run here, he beat Travalia, Kuzmanov, Ofner, and Andreev, up four spots, number 62, which equals his career high ranking. Uh, yeah, I think a pretty impressive week for Montero. What did you think? Yeah, I guess he's one of the guys you sort of, uh, we were sort of overlooking most of the season because, well, he's playing a lot. <laughs> That's for sure. He's actually 38 and 29 for the year right now. I mean, last year he had 27 losses and we are in September. Uh, so he's definitely going to be playing a lot more weeks this this year. Uh, also, also, he's going to be in Tel Aviv. Uh, and yeah, as you said, when I when I realized that it was the second 125 of the year, it just makes you makes you look at his season a lot differently. Obviously, a very high class clay player, and um, and yeah, he he's actually going to tie his uh, career high ranking. I think. Yes, uh, I yeah. still I still hope that at some point he d- does some damage at a Golden Swing event because that's that's what I always kind of no uh, for so for him and and it's never really materialized i think he had a semi or something at best yeah i mean he he's he's got the room for it he only had one quarter two second rounds uh this season so if he if he goes into it 
and that's what next season he has he has the potential for top 50 probably so yeah um that, that that's an interesting thing to watch out for in you know next february um the finalist was andrea pellegrino uh who i mean he the guy is an absolute enigma of a player he he does nothing for so much of the year uh but then just shows up out of nowhere uh this was probably you could say like you know the the fourth time that he showed up uh third or fourth probably this this year uh he obviously won in vicenza he made the semis of Bordeaux out of qualifying. And here uh, he made the final of a very impressive run. He was the underdog in every single match, beating Cepieri, Andujar, Ramos Vignolas, and Lajovic before losing to Monteiro up 28 spots, number 136, breaking the top 150. What did you think of Pellegrino this week? Pretty surprised he was the underdog against Zapieri, honestly, because in Stachin, he already looked kind of good. I, I thought he might beat Delbonis. Uh, came very close. I think he even might have had like three set points before the opening set tiebreak. So uh, it was really close for him to, to reach the quarters there. Yeah, as you said, you never really know what to expect. But obviously, I mean, he, he's got incredible amounts of like natural ability. And um, yeah, you, you never know, know when he's going to show it. You never know when he's going to perform. But yeah, this is this is a 125. I don't think he had a final at this level before. So this is also a, a huge step, a huge step for him. And uh, yeah, as you said, pretty much three good tournaments all year, but he's still going to be in like the top 150 or something. Yeah, uh, yeah as far as semifinalists, we mentioned him earlier, Lajovic. Uh, he made it uh, beating Magyar, Piraino and Cecchinato before losing to Pellegrino. Uh, I feel like it was, you know, a, a solid run to establish himself that, that he's back. Uh, obviously, the U.S. Open was quite ugly against Brooksby, uh, retiring in that in that deciding set, not deciding set, third set. Uh, then he got a win at Davis Cup over a South Korean player that I, I haven't heard of before. Uh, but yeah, here he got a couple of wins for himself. What did you think of Lajovic this week? Yeah, up, up until the semis, I think he was one of the best performers for sure. I mean, obviously, there were just four players left, but I mean that he was just really taking care of his business very comfortably. Um, yeah, uh, I think whenever we saw him on clay this year, he's been very competitive in challengers. And uh, that's actually probably like he, he played three of them from what I can see and always made the quarter. He made the quarterfinals in Salzburg, but lost to Monteiro, lost to Chorich in Parma, lost to Genoa in Pellegrino. So he's not win- uh, to, 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 I said, I think I think I said to Genoa in Pellegrino. But I went to Pellegrino in general, of course. Yeah, he, he's not winning these events, but he's just consistently made, going deep in them, perhaps showing that he still has the quality to be a main tour player on clay. Yeah, and finally, Adrian Andreev uh, was the last semi-finalist here, definitely the most unexpected pro, uh, out, of, out of this field. Uh, he beat Caruso, 6-4 in the third, and he beat Corentin Motei, also 6-4 in the third, saving three match points. In the second set, uh, then he beat Brancaccio, 6-2-6-4, but ultimately lost to Montero. His second career uh, challenger semifinal after Forli earlier in the year, which is obviously much much a weaker field, I think, uh, and also an indoor hard school, so it's uh, quite different for him there. (laughs) Up 16 spots, number 247, breaking the top 300, breaking the top 250. What did you think of Andreev on this run? Yeah, he's scheduling himself a bit weird 
<laughs> in, a, in a weird way because he played Ren on Inderhard, then went to Genoa for clay and then yeah. he's going to Orleans but I, I I guess it's working I mean uh it, it's if you know he got a couple of back-to-back well not back-to-back but in back-to-back weeks he got a couple of top 100 wins which is pretty crazy because he only had one against uh, Lloyd Harris who was injured in that match in Singapore last year uh, so this is a huge step forward. We had very nice timing there because I think last uh, last episode we were talking about Andreev a bit and the fact that he probably should be doing more damage in challengers than than he's doing, and he he totally proved it this week. Yeah, very wild match against Mutei, as you said, three match points saved, but he was actually like playing very positive tennis on them. I think two two were uh, saved with forehand winners. So. Uh, yeah, the best week he's ever had. I think that's not. Uh, I I don't think that's really something that anyone could disagree with. Yeah, for sure. And over to the doubles, where we had a rematch of uh, last week's final between Brown Vavasori and Yebavi Pavlasek. Uh, this time, much more straightforward. Brown Vavasori won six two six two, as opposed to the I think it was ten eight in the super tiebreaker last week. Uh, so it's back to back hundred twenty five titles for them. Uh, 12 straight wins, their number 11 in the race with just four events. Um, yeah, quite quite impressive for them. For Yebavi and Pavlasek, of course, good for them. Back-to-back finals at 125s. Uh, yeah, any any thoughts on any of those guys? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I'm rarely this excited for a doubles final on the Challenger Tour. And it was kind of underwhelming, but you know that the quality was still high obviously Vavasori he, he has a ranking of like 55 he's playing these challengers because he wants to keep playing singles uh yeah. so so he is a bit better than the than the, most of the fields here here and there uh he, yeah he he and brown won three three challengers in a row and they were actually like the fields were excellent in cordenons it was they beat sabanovs they they beat um the sabanovs they beat molchanovs and i um, again. So, uh, so that's that, that's even more impressive. Obviously, Brown with the style of returning that he has, I think that's that's really uh, his biggest asset in doubles, and and it's uh, great to watch. He was a main tour player in doubles back back in the day as well, so it's not not that surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can move on to Braga. Where we had Nicolas Moreno de Aboran winning the title over Mateus Puccinelli de Almeida, his first challenger title after blowing match points in Salinas earlier in the year. Uh, he goes back to win this one out of qualifying. He's starting qualifying by beating Coelho and La Masin. Uh, then he beat Trujeliti, uh, came back from a sit down against Moller, beat Baranco Costano, came back from a sit down against Katov, and defeated Puccinelli de Almeida. Up 108 spots uh, to number 200, therefore breaking the top 200. Uh, what did you think of Moreno Dalboran this week? Yeah, I think we sort of mentioned that he was one of he was you know if someone from the qualifying is going to make a run that it it could be him, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean that I was close to picking him as a potential winner, but. Uh, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Uh, after Salinas, he had a bit of a losing streak, understandably. But the last three months, uh, he's never been as good as 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 in the as in the last three months. So uh, it totally makes sense to me. Uh, definitely improved his uh, forehand, the the serve as well. Uh, in the final, he was running, <laughs> tracking down all of these drop shots that Puccinelli Dalmeida was playing. A uh, very fun week, and yeah, it, it, it's good that this guy got got a title because after Salinas, you know, that that, that was heartbreaking. There was there was that match point when he uh, played the smash. He thought he made it, 
but he actually didn't. And today he finished on his fourth match point with a smash. And I also heard from a couple of uh, of Portuguese uh, guys on Twitter that uh, he also like when when they talked to him after the title, uh, after after he won, because I think they're working for the press office at that at that event. Uh, he also made like the connection that you know it's it's nice redemption to to finish this this one with a smash after what happened in Salinas. Uh, we had Puccinelli da Almeida making his first challenger final. Uh, he started by beating uh, Yanami Yan uh, in the first round, then pull up the upset over Nuno Borges in the second round. Uh, then he beat Yamas Ruiz and Yela Sells, uh, heading into the final without dropping a single set, uh, but obviously lost there. Up 26 spots, number 190, so he also gets to break the top 200. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Puccinelli de Almeida here? I think that this one has been coming. Of course, he's not. He doesn't have a huge ceiling. He probably won't be doing this in a one to five anytime soon. But in a in one of the weaker European or South American challengers, I think it was really coming. He he lost a few semifinals before this. Uh, also, really, I I think improved the, the the firepower on his on his forehand throughout the week. And yeah, did not see that win against Borges coming, or even that win against Cels. Honestly, Cels seemed to be playing so well. So. Uh, a huge week for him as well. Yeah, and speaking of cells, we can go to him next. He was one of our semifinalists. Uh, he beat Agamemnon, then got a walkover from Oliveira before beating Shevchenko and two tiebreakers, including 11-9 in the second set tiebreaker. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that you think that he was sort of your favorite uh, yeah. once we were in the semifinal stage. Obviously, he he's still 14-2 and two in the month of September, even with the loss to Puccinelli. Uh, yeah, what did you think of him this week here? Yeah, I think he's just played a lot of tennis recently. Uh, since, uh, yeah, I think that 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 fourteen and two run happened in twenty one days, if I'm counting right. So that that was probably one of the reasons why he looked so um, well. I don't know if exhausted, but he he just wasn't really uh, playing the way he was in in recent weeks against Puccinelli Dalmeida. Yeah, it definitely felt like Sels or Shevchenko should claim the title by the time we got to the quarterfinals. Uh, I thought it was the perfect chance for for Cels after missing barely missing out in Tune, but especially that 25k he won. It had some, you know, the match against Arnaboldi. I think it was a lot of time on the court, even though he got a walkover here against Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can move on to Timofey Skatov, uh, who had an interesting week here. Uh, he, he's been doing a little bit better in recent weeks. Got that semi in in Sevilla as well. Uh, still a losing record by a lot, 21 to 27, uh, which is not great for him. But this week, he beat Nick Hart, Manuel Guinart, and Carlos Tabener, bageling all of them in the second set, which which is pretty funny to me. Um, and then he lost from a setup against Moreno de Alboran. What did you think of Skatov? Funnily enough, I think he also led Moreno de Alboran 3-0 in the second set. Yeah, I <laughs> saw so, yeah, that. <laughs> Up until a certain point, it was looking like the pattern would continue, but it didn't. Yeah, uh, the win against Taberner, I think it was mostly on the Spaniard. Just um, totally, like after he lost the opening set, he was just out of it mentally. Uh, and uh, Skatov even injured his knee and was like limping in the last few games. And he still wanted 6-0, and zero, which really tells you all you need to know about uh, how Taberner approached that, that match. Um, once he once he lost the opening set, yeah, uh, another semi definitely. I guess like the like the guys, uh, you know, like Moreno Dalboran and Puccinelli Dalmeida, someone who should be making these sort of runs in in weaker challenger events. 
Uh, I'm not sure if the knee injury was a factor in the semi because I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. They they withdrew from the doubles as well because of it. So I I I I'm assuming that it might have. he was playing with Taberna. Yeah, I also wanted to highlight Pablo Yamas Ruiz, who made the quarterfinals here as a qualifier. Uh 19 years old out of Spain. He beat Faria and Colignon to qualify. Colignon 7-5 in the third. In the main draw, he beat uh back to back Portuguese players in uh, in Araujo and uh, Dominguez before losing to Puccinelli Almeida. Any thoughts on Yamas Ruiz and his sort of biggest challenger run so far? Yeah, uh, I honestly gotta see more. Like I, mm-hmm. I've uh, barely watched him before this week. I remember him because he was mentioned as one of the potential <laughs> Sp- Spanish prospects. Uh, I think Alcaraz even said something like, um, "I hope that in a few years, me Yamas Ruiz and some other guy will be in the top ten or something." Can't remember who it was the the third guy. It was Landalus. No, I don't think it was Landalusa. Anyhow, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have to see more because honestly, only the win against Colino is impressive. The one against Dominguez perhaps would be if not for how Dominguez played in that one. So, uh, yeah, uh, basically, uh, basically not sure what to what to think of the guy yet. Yeah, I mean, we move on to the doubles where we had a great story. And it finally happened. Yaroslav Pospicho playing alongside the guy he coaches, his pupil, Vit Kopshiva, and they win the title together. Um, unbelievable stuff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, for Kopshiva, it was his second uh, challenger doubles title for Pospicho, his 13th, his first one since Stanava in 2014. And they beat Nedon and Runkat in the final. And we can move on to Sibiu, where we had an all-Bosnian final. Nerman Fatic beating Tamir Jumhur 6-3, 6-4 for his first challenger title. Uh, beat Bonadio, Vesels, Kahov, and Federico Correa. That was the only set that he dropped, was against Korea. Up 63 spots, number 195. Another guy breaking the top 200 this week. What did you think of Nerman Fatic? Yeah, pretty wild that he that he broke the top two hundred. Honestly, it, it it doesn't it didn't really feel like he was close to it or anything with the with the results that he's been uh, getting most of the year. Uh, yeah, he's I mean he's got a pretty solid ground game. Of course, the tournament wasn't wasn't strong or anything besides Korea. Uh, but yeah, Korea. I think honestly, both Fatic and Korea looked very tired in the third set. I'm not sure if there were any, any injuries involved. I think Fatic had a few, like, uh, you know, he looked like he was in pain, uh, which was funny to think about because back in uh, 2021, when he had that Zadar semifinal, I don't know if you remember that, but, or maybe you weren't even, because it was in March 2021, I can't remember. Uh, but, uh, well, he was basically cramping in every single match there, uh, but still kept winning and reached the semis. Uh, so it was a similar deal here. Uh, he was 0-4 down against Dumhur in the second set. And yeah, I, I'm not really sure what Dumhur did after that. Yeah. Uh, he's been, he's been weird like that recently a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as for Dumhur, he was his 16th, uh, challenger final. Uh, seven and nine in those finals, six finals losses in a row, by the way, which is quite interesting from him. Uh, he and Fatih faced off uh, last month in Banja Luka, where uh, Jumur was the winner by retirement in the second set. Uh, this week, it was an interesting run from Damir beating Horansky, Niklas, then Lukas Klein. A uh, very good win. 
came back from a bagel down against uh, Yonel to win 6-3 in the third, up 26 spots, number 166. What did you think of Damir Jumhur this week? Yeah, some days he can still look pretty impressive, especially in the Klein win, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. he was your pick, right, for, for the winner. We shouldn't really yes. mention our picks for this week a lot because... Yeah, we, we don't need to take discussion this week. Go, yeah, go, go. I, I don't go. think uh, any of our players was, was even in the semifinals. So, and there yeah. were five events, so we, we really did poorly here. Uh, yeah, Zuhur is just not imposing enough anymore, I think. I mean, he, he's got a lot of great touch. He's basically a drop shot bot in a lot of these matches. <laughs> I don't know if something like that exists, but if, if it exists, then I think Zuhur is, is probably it or the closest to it that we can get. And yeah, the final, he was still extremely unimpressive, just like in that that one against Maroshan in Baryaluka. But at least it lasted a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as semifinalists, we had Nicolas David Yonel, who uh, got hyped up for this week by Davis Cup. He, he beat Gombosh last week, uh, then got murdered by Molchan, but he came back from that uh, to beat Kopejans, then Janu by retirement, 2 love in the third there. Uh, then he beat Misalic, uh, 6-2-6-3 in the quarterfinals. Was up on Jumhur, uh, lost from that situation. What did you think of this week? Yeah. Uh, we we talked about his win over Gombosh, which was which was quite the surprise, especially with Gombosh being a good doubles um, Davis Cup player himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure this is going to amount to something, but you know, beating Misolic and Kopejans especially as well in the opening round, he was my pick for the title. I I, I will mention that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was 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 quite impressive, and they just couldn't close out Strumhur, which that has to be a, a shame for him. I mean, Yonel had this—I um, can't remember what year that was when he won four ITFs in a row. I think 2019, but never really kind of progressed from there. I think he's probably a bit too good for like the 15k level, but hasn't really established himself in challengers yet. Yeah, and our other semi-finalist was Federico Coria, who beat Ramanathan 6-2-6-1. Then uh, Diaz, also straight sets, uh, got a retirement from uh, Mate Valkus uh, after just three games. So unfortunate for Valkus. I uh, hate to see this. Coria uh, then lost to Fatic. I don't really learn anything new from Coria here, but what were your thoughts on him this week? Yeah, I mean, he, he's been like that in Challengers all year, honestly, and it's it's pretty wild. Uh, I did not, uh, well, I didn't even realize how poor outside of Milan he's he's been. And he's played a lot of Challengers. Uh, here's a Prosteov round one exit, the quarterfinal in Lyon, first round exit in Parma, then he won Milan, of course, but then a quarterfinal in Braunschweig, and then a second round in Tulum, first round in Stettin. I don't think he's bringing, and the same goes for Ramos Vinolas, who was in uh, Genoa. I don't think they're bringing the same sort of intensity and and focus for these events, which is just kind of surprising to see, given that you know for most of his career, Korea was of course a challenger guy or even ITFs. Honestly, he had he 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 is a late bloomer for sure. So that's uh, that's quite. Uh, Quite surprising to me, and yeah, and, and uh, yeah, as you said with Valkus, I mean, Andrea Pellegrino spends half a year on a on a losing streak, and Mate Valkus spends ninety percent of the year injured, and it's sad because whenever he's actually able to play and able to give his best, he's destroying everyone. It seems on clay, of course, on on their surfaces, not really. Yeah, for for Korea, a little stat here: he's played eight events uh, this season. Uh, <coughs> 
64 points from those eight events on the Challenger Tour. So he's 107th in the Challenger race. Behind, for example, Kaichi Uchida, Juan Bautista Torres, Milian Jekic, uh, obviously guys who have played more. But honestly, like, who's who's this here? Uh, Jekic has only played four events more, and he has he has more points than Korea, which is wild yeah. to think about. <laughs> Jekic made like a, a couple finals, right? So he 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 definitely yeah. a monster. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's pretty surprising. Of course, Korea usually plays better events than Jekic. Like he's not gonna play a random eighty usually. Uh, I think most of the time it's been it's been bigger okay, events. He he, yeah. he, he, he he sort of did that here. He played a bit of a random eighty here. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, uh, but just you know, but, as, yeah. as a whole, I think most of his <laughs> events were where uh, yeah parma one to five Lyon, i can't remember what i think it was a hundred prostay of 90 uh one to five in braunschweig 100 in two one to five in Stettin. yeah here he made that that's weird decision to to be the top seed here yeah uh yeah as, as i said i i just don't think he's bringing the same sort of focus which is which is kind of baffling and the, yeah the same with ramos vinoas who, who barely survived the first two rounds in in genoa and then lost to Pellegrino. Yeah, and if we go over to the doubles, we had the Sabanov twins winning their first title of the season at last after three Challenger Tour loss, finals losses, after one ATP Tour finals loss in Houston. Uh, they finally get their first title, and they did it by beating Edlard Midler, who were, in their, who, were, who were in their seventh Challenger final of this year. All right, we can go over to Villa Maria, where we had Nicolas Kiker, uh, win the title beating Mariano Mar- sorry Mariano Navone one five six three his fourth challenger title first one since his uh, comeback uh, on his run he was, was very dominant for the for the first half of it at least uh, beating Melanie Alves one and one uh, Juarez six three six one Olivo two win zero oh. uh, then he beat Diaz de Costa six four in the third. Uh, took down Navone here, up 51 spots, number 183. What did you think of Kikan this week? Yeah, I, I think compared to the... Because he basically had two good runs all year. Other than that, he's been struggling a lot. And compared to Toddy, he was much more impressive here to me. Um, yeah, the, the, the way he just crashed through his first three opponents, and then it saved the match point, of course, against Diaz Acosta in a three-hour, 50-minute match. I actually, uh, like, in my brain, it was an... Uh, well, I, I had this uh, weird uh, misconception that he won in, uh, what was it, Tampere, where he played Lehechka? Yeah, I, I, I also thought that he won a title when he came back. Yeah, he, me too. First one. Me too. And I was surprised to see that that, 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 that is his first, that he actually didn't win the Challenger last year. Uh, but yeah, definitely hitting with a lot more intensity than, than he's been uh, doing it most of the year uh, this week, yeah. Yeah, and as for our finalist, Mariano Navone, his third challenger final uh, of his career all this year. I feel like this was a bit of a, a, a run to, to legitimize Navone. Of course, he, he had the breakthrough, made the finals of 250s, which were sort of uh, not great fields. But here he comes, he beats Villanueva, uh, Hugo Carabey, Juan Manuel Serundo, and Facundo Bagnis all in one week. Loses in the final to Kiker. Uh, I don't think he played his best tennis there. But he was up 68 spots to number 265, breaking the top 300. I think it's a pretty impressive week from Navone for yeah, sure. What did you think? Absolutely. I, w- I would totally second that thing about sort of legitimizing himself. 
yeah. because that that couple of back to back fifties. Uh, I mean, th- there were wins over Fikovic, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's not really the same caliber of a player as Serundolo, Bagnis, Ugo Carabelli, even if they might all be pretty far from their from their peak right now. Um, fantastic backhand. We'll see if anything else in his game lives up to it. But yeah, I, I, I am super excited to see what he does from here. It's obviously going to be very tough for him next week, uh, especially as he had some uh, medical time, had a medical timeout in the final, but just, you know, towards the end of the season in the, um, the South American tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for semifinalists, we had Facundo Diaz Acosta, uh, who got a bit lucky with, with some injuries in the first two rounds, getting two, two retirements from Descote and Varillas, uh, both after bageling them in the first set and in the second set they retired. Uh, he also beat Hanfman 6-1-7-6. As you said, it was a match point up on Kiker. What did you think of Diaz Acosta this week? I think we talked about him a bit in Seville, maybe even when he lost to Michalski in Szczecin. Uh, and I, I, I think I remember saying that, uh, well, he, he, he was mostly succeeding in weaker challengers, but that it felt like I felt like he, you know, it, it would simply take him a bit of time to just you know, get used to the level, but he would do that. And I think that that week is, you know, even though he had two retirements, just the saying on the quality he played with this week, I think. Uh, we're we're already seeing that that you know in time he will grow to be a challenger player for sure. Yeah, and somebody who has grown and been a challenger player for a while is Facundo Bagnis, our other semifinalist. Uh, he did lose uh, Dutra da Silva and Casanova before losing to Navone. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, probably the overwhelming favorite for the title by the time we reached like the second or third or quarter round or quarterfinals. He was he was a big favorite in every match he played, but yeah, just, just didn't really deliver against uh against Navona. I think that was probably uh, one of his weakest performances I, I've seen in a while. Yeah, and in the doubles we had Casanova and Rodriguez Taverna team up to beat Juarez and Monzon in the final. And we, we can move on to Columbus, where we have the top two seats face off in the final with the number one seed Jordan Thompson coming on the top beating Emilio Gomez 7-6-6-2. It was Thompson's ninth challenger title career. Uh, uh sorry, ninth challenger uh career title, his second of the season. On his road there, he beat Broom. Sazikumar uh, Mokund, Diallo, Cannon Kingsley moves up 13 spots, number 85. What did you think of Thompson? Yeah, these courts in uh, you know at the Ohio State venue, I think they're very fast, rather sleek, low bouncing, and that's definitely what Thompson enjoys the most. No sense dropped, of course, only free tie breaks. Uh, they're very fast too, and yeah, Jordan Thompson has basically su- succeeded on grass this year and. You know, and uh, at least on the challenger tour, he 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 succeeded more or less only on grass, and yeah, it's clear that conditions like this very benefit him a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, as for uh, our finals, Emilio Gomez, his ninth challenger final, 
his fifth final this season already. Uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a low key strong season, I think, for Emilio yeah. Gomez, uh, beating Cash, Tennis Sangren, uh, Nick Chappelle, and Rinki Hijikata here. Uh, he moves up twelve spots, number one hundred and two. Uh, he would have broken the top 100 with a win here, uh, but for now he remains, I believe, 20 points away uh, from the top 100. We obviously had a discussion on uh, whether Emilio Gomez should be player in the year. Yeah, well, what's your stance on it now? Should 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 he should he be able to exist at the top 100? I actually kind of started rooting for him uh, to get there because, well, <laughs> as much as it doesn't really make sense game-wise, I think usually most top 100 players are simply more special, more talented. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that this season is low-key good for him anymore. I think it's just extremely good. I mean, he he was never, obviously never really close to breaking the top 100, and right now he's probably going to do it pretty soon, so... Uh, I think that just really speaks uh, all about Emilio Gomez. Yeah, couldn't get it. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty rough, uh, it's a pretty tough ask to play Jordan Thompson uh, in a in a challenger final for a, for his top one hundred debut. I'm now checking like whether he drops any points in recent we in, in in the upcoming weeks. Actually, not really. He's gonna drop um, how much is it? Jesus Christ, 30, 41 points in a couple of weeks, but. Uh, if he if he wins a round in Seoul, I think that should be enough. So uh, right, because in a in an ATP two fifty, I think forty five points would be. But beating Taro Daniel after staying in Columbus for so long is probably going to be too hard for him. But yeah, I, I'm actually rooting for him to get there at this point. It's wait, where is he playing next week? Seoul, uh, the the ATP two fifty. Oh yeah, so so he would need to have two. Wait, no, yeah, what what I mean? Because I think it's forty-five for the second round. I think so. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, it's ninety for a quarterfinal. I think no, it's ninety for a semi. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I think it's forty-five for a quarterfinal. Yeah, you're right. So he would need to make the quarters. So probably not next week. But if he plays a challenger after that. I actually haven't checked what he's playing, but you know, it. I, I yeah. hope he'll get there because with the with the with the sort of results that he's been getting this year, just constantly getting going deep in these sort of weaker challengers. Yeah, he's playing Guangyu and Seoul uh, challenger after that. So there's a very big chance that in a couple of weeks we have Emilio Gomez in the top 100. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I I feel like he his year is sort of like a masterclass in scheduling. Like yes. It's, impressive to me uh like obviously I, I don't think he is a top 100 talent whatever that means i mean he is a top 100 player coming up soon or very close to it um but his scheduling has been immaculate i mean he he knows where to go he knows where he can pick up points and it's been effective for him throughout the year he's delivered so yeah yeah we can go to the semifinals that we had in columbus we can start with Rinki hijikata who got a couple of uh you know I don't want to call them no-name wins, uh, but he beat uh, Ponwith and Boulay uh, before receiving three match points and a great match against uh, Dominique Stricker uh, to take out the Swiss, his second semifinal of the season. What did you think of Rinki this week? Yeah, I also said like a few match points against um, against Stricker, right? Yeah, yeah, three and... match points, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a fantastic win, of course. Very clutch. 
Uh, I did not see the semi against Gomez, so kind of hard to tell. Uh, but as you said, the, the first two rounds, you expect him to to beat players like that. Uh, Boulay, I guess, on a faster court can be pretty dangerous, but uh, but you know, it's still nothing that Rinky shouldn't be able to handle. I don't think he's actually been getting like semifinals a lot in challenges, right? That that would only be like well, his second. Only the second one after Morelos. I yeah, think was the first. and Morelos was, uh, you know, he didn't have anyone like Stricker there on his his route. Yeah, that ah, yeah, that was the one where he totally crushed his first three opponents, but they were. Yeah, that he was. He seemed like the favorite for the title, but he lost to Clark. I remember that. Yeah, so so that's that's pretty huge for him. Uh, and yeah, he 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 also has the quality to start contending for these titles soon. Yeah, uh, and our other semifinalist was Cannon Kingsley, one of my favorite names in tennis right now. A great name, Cannon. Uh, he beat Trotter before beating. Uh, I believe your pick for the title was Jub. Um, and also took out Alexander Vukic in the quarterfinals. Uh, went tied with Thompson as well. He's he's an NCAA player, Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, he's a senior day two-time uh, All-American. It was his first time past the second round of the challenger. What did you think of Cannon Kingsley? Yeah, I mean, um, Ohio State players tend to do very well in Columbus. Um, he was, uh, well, the, the event was won by Torpegar twice and by Wolf twice. And I mm-hmm. think there, there's something about it. I mean, the, the courts are just pretty unique and the, the familiarity with them is um, is a pretty important aspect. He's got a cannon uh, of a forehand. Um, this is a pun that I still get to use right now. But, you know, soon it's going to be, like, especially if he gets somewhere higher up, Everyone will then use it, thinking they're original, but we can we can still use it once he's uh, you know ranked I don't know three hundred something. I I, I think I, I haven't checked it, uh, and yeah, I I didn't think he was. Uh, oh, actually, he's gonna be much lower, of course, because he's still an active college player, so he only plays in the mm-hmm. summer. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I didn't realize he was that big a talent, honestly, and that's that's super cool. That Canon Kingsley, the guy who's always mentioned, like alongside uh, Tuna Altuna and all the other guys with amazing names, he we might actually get to see him a lot in challengers, at least in the states. Yeah, I I'm going to enjoy the name before it goes mainstream and becomes terribly annoying because that's all we'll ever hear about Canon yep. Kingsley. Is the canon. Um in the doubles we had Cash and Patton win their fourth challenger title of the season, their eighth title overall, because they also had four IDF titles, 38 and 8 on the season. These guys are insane. What a breakthrough. Uh in the final here, they beat Broom and Franson. Yeah, probably one of the easiest challenger wins <laughs> in years, honestly. I mean, there was that one where I think um, there were so many withdrawals in South America that they only played like two or one match, uh, two matches or one match. But yeah, we mentioned even last week that this just looked so easy for Cash Patton, and it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their future titles that they had uh, earlier in the year, and some of them look maybe a bit tougher even. Yeah, than- definitely. <laughs> Uh, and with that, we can move on to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, maybe let's start with the upset. And according to the bookies, and I will agree with one of them, uh, Nick Chappell was responsible for two of the biggest upsets this week. Uh, I'm talking of the wins about Gal- uh, over Galarno and uh, Quaco. I'm going to pick the one against Quaco. 
uh yeah it's good to see that the bookies also appreciate nick chapel as uh <laughs> you know um, have the have the same feeling about nick chapel's prospects in tennis as i do <laughs> I mean, sorry but you know he yeah <laughs> I, I maybe i'm not gonna I, i'm not gonna you know go deeper into this but yeah seeing him beat quaco was just wild yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting what I picked when I picked Kwako for the title there. Uh, that's for sure. My upset of the week, I've gone with Pochinaida Almeida beating Borges. Um, yeah, Borges, I, it seems to me like he just severely underperformed. He was very unhappy with himself throughout the second set, uh, throwing the racket, very negative body language. Uh, and he didn't manage to turn it around in the end. So, yeah, there, there went to the Borges. Uh, what did you go for for match of the week? Uh, I haven't picked it yet, so maybe you could start and I will yeah, think. I'll, I'll go. I went with the three-hour battle uh, between Tiago Monteiro and Sebastian Offner, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, very good tennis throughout. It didn't have a lot of you know match points drama or anything like that, but I felt like it was just uh, very high-level tennis for, for three hours. Monteiro came out on top. Uh, the the crowd were were into it quite a bit. So yeah, that that was the one for me. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna go with Genoa too and go with Andreev over Mute. Um, a lot of clownery again, but not that much actually. But it still felt like uh no, I I watched this match like in the afternoon. Can't remember the exact hour, but it felt like I've been watching it for the past six hours. Like in the in the first set, I actually checked the time and was so surprised that it was this low. It felt like this match was going on forever, and uh, yeah, the, the the quality was pretty pretty high throughout as well. I I think Andrei definitely played one of the best matches of his career so far. <coughs> All right, and on we go to our predictions, our picks for events uh, that we were picking from Orlan the the one twenty five uh, on the French in their hard. Uh, then we have three. Sorry, no, yeah, two two clay events in Lisbon and Buenos Aires, and an outdoor hardcore event in Charleston. So let's start in Orleans. Yes. <laughs> As I open the draw over the top, Quentin <laughs> Mute uh, with a wild card. He's facing Michael Hertz um, or Mikhail Hertz. Uh, in the second round, he will play either Adrian Andreev with a special exempt or Ramkumar Ramanathan. Also in a section, Norbert Gombosh, the sixth seed, plays a qualifier, and then Skander Mansouri or another qualifier. Quentin Alice uh, makes his way back to the challengers after quite a while away, I think, uh, playing Nerman Fatic with a special exempt here. Then he will face Jonas Foretek or Kais Brauer. Uh, Andri Laksanen is here playing Evan Furness and then Yuri Rodionov or a qualifier. Martin Fuchovic will play Antoine Bellier and then Damir Jumur or Grigor Barrer. Uh, Richard, uh, Richard Gasquet plays uh, Jesper de Jong and then Otto Vitanen or Laurent Locoli. Jack Sock is here, uh, fresh off of Labour Cup. Uh, he will play Harold Mayo and then one of two qualifiers. Also in the section is second seed Hugo Gaston playing Daniel Masur and then Antoine Escoffier or a qualifier. In qualifying, we have Lukas Rosso, who beat Felipe Livo, I see here. Uh, Kenny Desheper will play Maxime Janvier. 
Artur Cazó is here playing Lucy's Blanche, who played uh, insane three set, <laughs> three tie break sets against uh, Maximilian Neuquist. Rosenkrantz is here as well. He he has a chance to make it in. Artur Fields is here. So a, a pretty interesting uh, qualifying field. Terence Atman as well uh, beat Bu Yunchuk at that. Uh, in the doubles, we have, ooh, wow, Nicole Mahou playing with Edouard Roger Vasselin. Uh, that's not a pairing that we see here uh, often and definitely of a high quality. Uh, we also have Jumhur playing with Ramanathan, uh, Petro Sizipas playing with Hendrik Jebens, uh, Fields and Mayo playing together, Cornell playing with Rosso, Raja and Sharan. Uh, but yeah, definitely Mahou and Roger Vasselin make this, make this doubles field. Back to the singles, though. Uh, who are you looking at for the title here? I think it's a very interesting and exciting draw for sure. Yeah, it's a very, very strong draw as usually at this at this one twenty five. I think Laksonen is the defending champion, so yeah, I don't think that's gonna work out for him this year. That <laughs> his ranking is gonna take a huge hit. I checked um, when they last played challengers, and Mahu played in Phoenix this year, but Roger Vaslau hasn't played in six years. Um, oh, when wow. I don't like up to 2016. Uh, I don't know. Just looking at their names, I was sort of thinking that maybe maybe it would be the other way around. Uh, but I totally forgot that Mayu played in, in Phoenix. Anyhow, uh, yeah, very strong draw. Uh, I'm not sure Jack Sock is capable of winning five matches. Gaston Masur, pretty tough. Fucevic, Balier. I think Fucevic also hasn't played the challenger in a while. I checked that and then totally forgot. Uh, but but I did check that earlier earlier today, and I think he also didn't have a a challenger appearance, or maybe maybe he also played uh, Phoenix. Let me let me quickly pull it up. It's not gonna take me long. Long Bendigo. Which which year was it? Two thousand twenty. At the beginning of uh, two thousand twenty was when Futarit last played the challenger. Uh, yeah. So I am definitely thinking of Mute, but do I like the quarterfinal against Gombosh potentially? Not so much. I think Alice is a is a great option, but he's playing Brower in the second round. Not a fan of this, and not a fan of Alice's uh well form in, in recent months. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure what to go for here. We can get Mute Andreev this time on a different surface in the second round. Uh, Gasquet is always an option, but Virtanen in the second round, for example, that that's super rough. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna have to go with Quentin on this. And by the way, if uh, to any uh, French speakers, if I say Orleans, I'm sorry, it's just a habit. <laughs> I I will try to say Orleans. <laughs> I mean, I, I might be making it up. Uh, no, it is it is like, like it is like that. No, it is like that. Man. Oh, I'm I'm glad it's it's always my closest approximation with with uh, pronunciations. Uh, yeah, Alice is is an interesting pick. Um, I I hate his form coming into this. I I do like his draw quite a bit, uh, but I'm going to stay away from Quentin Alice here. Instead, I'm going to veer into the dangerous waters of Richard Gasquet. Uh, yeah, he has Vitan he has Vitan in the second round, uh, but uh, the quarterfinal matchup I quite a lot I, I, I like quite a bit for him. I think it could be Bellier, it could be Barret, but um, I I I feel like he has quite a good chance of going deep here. So yeah, Gasquet. Although the, this whole draw is I think very tough to predict. Yeah, there's a lot of players who could win it, and then yeah, it's basically gonna come down to luck. 
But I think Alice, Mute, maybe even Gombosh, Gasquet, that, that's probably the, the, the premium picks. Yeah, the, the, there was a bit of Gombosh temptation going on, but I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I contained myself uh, on this occasion. Um, <laughs> we can move over uh, to Lisbon, one of our 380s, where we have Pedro Cachina as a top seed. That's, that's exciting to see. Uh, highest ring player by like 60 spots, I think. Uh, or even more, and he plays Gastel Eliash in the first round, which is an absolutely uh, amazing matchup. If if Eliash brings his, you know, Portuguese uh, form <laughs> that he tends to have, uh, otherwise Kachin should be the favorite for sure. But in the second round, uh, they can face uh, Ricardo Bonadio or a qualifier. We also have Daniel Kolach playing a qualifier, and then Alexander Muller or João Dominguez. Filip Misovic plays Andrea Pellegrino in what should be a very interesting first round here. Then uh, Pedro Souza plays Vít Kopšiva. Franco Agmenone plays Nicolas Moreno de Alboran in here with a special exempt. And then Giulio Cepieri or a qualifier. Manuel Guinard plays Gianmarco Moroni and then Benoit Pair or a qualifier. Francesco Passaro plays Federico Ferreira Silva and then Timo Cato or a qualifier. Marco Cecchinato plays, plays Marco Tronchetti, and then Milian Cekic or Gianluca Magyar. Carlos Tabener plays Tedding Marcel Stebe, and then Nikola Milojevic or a qualifier. In the qualifiers, uh, we have Michalski playing uh, Jeremy Jan, so it's, the, it's the Damien Bowl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a matchup I have to watch. <laughs> Uh, we also have Luca Vanash, we have Mattia Bellucci, who I'm excited to see. Uh, Olive, uh, <coughs> uh, yeah, Oliveira has recovered quickly after withdrawing last week. He's, he's beaten Billy Harris. Uh, Dukovic is here as well. Um, over to the doubles, we have Manuel Guinard playing with Luis David Martinez, who's been getting passed around, uh, frankly, by a lot of doubles players. I feel like he's had like 10 or 15 partners already this season. Zdeni Kolač plays with Goncalo Oliveira. Uh, oh, Jeremy Ad and Daniel Michalski are playing doubles together. So that's that's great. Um, hopefully they don't antagonize uh, each other too much during that qualifying match. Um, <laughs> Agamemnon and Sepieri are here. Nedun Cezian and Runkat uh, are playing together again after reaching the final last week. Passaro and Pellegrino facing over Cervantes and Roca Pataya. But now we can go back to the singles. Who are you going for here for your title list? Yeah, Michalski playing Cervantes for as long as he did today doesn't give me much fuel with confidence. I don't know if he's much with Jan, especially as Jan is actually picking up some form in recent weeks. He had that uh, Oldenzaal 25k final against Hokes. So, uh, yeah, uh, hoping that, that maybe there's something there, but you know, would prefer Daniel to win. He's basically fighting for an Australian Open qualifying spot until the end of the year. So uh, any any point he can get is really worth a ton. Uh, yeah, Mattia Balucci, if he beats Oliveira, could, could certainly get on a run here. Very wild. I mean, do I want to pick Pedro Cacci just because he's 60 spots higher? Looking at how Pedro Cacin has performed in challengers since March, maybe I do. But Gastel Eliash is, of course, not a great draw. Then he can play Bonadio. That's not amazing either. And then playing Miller, for example, no, no, I'm not sure I like him to, to progress there. Misolic Pellegrino, I don't want to pick out of this either. And Moreno Dalbona and Galenone, another amazing, uh, amazing first round drilly. So it's, it's quite tough to, uh, to think of epic here, even. 
I think Passaro last time, I picked him last time. So this week, this week, yeah. And he, he didn't play well. Uh, but I think I still have to go for Passaro. Taberner, Stebe, another very tough first round. And it's not like Carlos Taberner is reliable at the moment. Chakinato does have a decent draw, maybe. But, you know, he, he hasn't really been winning a lot of these events. So I, I think I have to go with Passaro, but I don't feel confident in it. And Kachin, by the way, playing Lisbon with a Challenger 80, with a ranking of 57, he is crazy. It shouldn't happen. I mean, this is his chance to play the ATP Tour. I don't care that he doesn't like it playing in, in, in their heart. I mean, this is his chance. Uh, he he should be, or even not in their heart. He could be in Tel Aviv. He could be in Sofia. He could be in Seoul. And yet he's here playing at Challenger 80, which I don't know what to think about. I mean, what to think about that? He basically has this fantastic window until next summer to really do something in this sport. And he's going to play at Challenger 80. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I guess I sort of get that um, I don't. argument, but I, <laughs> I, I, I understand why 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 he's here because, uh, like, you know, if if, he, if he's going to accumulate as many points, his window for me really is Golden Swing into Roland Garros because clay is his surface. Yeah. Um, uh, I, would it be better for him financially to go try it in Tel Aviv or or Seoul, probably? Uh, but I, I sort of understand him wanting to, you know, pick up 80 points here, uh, solidify his situation. And I believe he is going to pick up the 80 points here because he's my pick for the title. Uh, Passaro, I was allured by Passaro because of the draw. Uh, but then I sort of, you know, looked at it on a whole. I thought, why am I bidding on Passaro sort of re refinding himself, himself after a couple of bad weeks when I could just go with Kachin, who's been just so, so good. I mean, the draw isn't great for him, but Kachin has just been a level above this season when he's played on the Challenger Tour. So I have to go with Pedro Kachin. All right. All right. Let's... <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, lots of coughing today on both sides. <laughs> uh, let's go to Buenos Aires, where we have Federico Coria as the top seed flying over from Romania. He will play Luciano Darderi and then Sumit Nagal or a qualifier. Felipe Melgeni Alves will play Mar Mariano Navone with a special exam in a very interesting first round. Winner will play Facundo Diaz Acosta. Varias or a qualifier, but yeah. Or, or a qualifier, yes. A, a, a qualifier is in, yeah, is in play there. Uh, Juan Pablo Varias, after retiring uh, last week, will play Andrea Cuiarini and then Juan Manuel Serundolo or a qualifier. Serundolo is unseated here. Uh, which is surprised me a bit. It caught me a bit of card that his ranking, that his ranking dropped so much already. Um, but here we are. Facundo Bagnis plays Tiago Agustin Tirante and then Juan Bautista Torres or Genaro Alberto uh, Olivieri. So sort of Varias and then like six Argentines in this section of the draw, which is pretty fun. Uh, Yannick Hanfman will play Gonzalo Villanueva and then Nicolás Quiquere or Renzo Olivo. Uh, so, you know, Olivo will try to uh, make at least a, a better result out of it than last time, winning just two games. Camilo Ugucarabey will play Daniel Guta da Silva and then Juan Bautista Otegi or a qualifier. Uh, Sateango Fa Rodriguez Taverna will play Dmitry Popko. Popko, who lost to Otegi last week, like quite badly, I think. Yeah, 0 uh, 6 to 6, I think. Jesus. Yeah, not great moments for Dmitry Popko. Uh, winner will play Lautaro Midon or a qualifier. We also have Daniel Altmaier playing Paul Martin Tifon and then Roman Andres Buruchaga or a qualifier. <laughs> In the qualifying, uh, we have guys like Hernan Casanova, 
Nicolas Alvarez, Facundo Juarez, Thiago Seibosvild. Uh, we'll see what he has to offer this time around. Um, in the doubles, we have Arias and Zeballos, the Bolivian pair, being the top seeds. Popko plays with Seibosvild. Tirante and Torres are teaming up. Ruchag and Diaz Acosta, they've been solid. Uh, Casanova and Rodriguez Taverna are playing again. Andreozzi and Duran. Uh, so yeah, interesting-ish. Uh, doubles draw, but back to the singles. Who are you going for here? Yeah, I feel like as usual in, in South America, maybe the, the depth of the field isn't that huge, but the seeds are actually excellent and it makes for a very tough peak here. Uh, don't want to go Korea. He's traveling from Europe. As I said, I mean, he just hasn't really been he, he at his best in the challengers this year. Uh, Varias was injured. So I, I kind of really, you know, because there's a few first rounds that I don't want to get into, like Tirante Bagnis, even Dutra da Silva, Hugo Carabelli in this form. Uh, I feel like I gotta have, go with Altmaier. I'm not confident in this pick. He hasn't played since the US Open. I don't think he historically was that successful at uh, South American Challengers. I think he's you know, mo most of his good runs were in Europe and the States or like Mexico or something. Can't remember him uh, him doing much in South America when he tried to play it. Uh, but I think I just have to go for this. I mean, all, all the other guys are either like, well, they either have a tough opening round or a second round, like Hanfman I was thinking about, but then he plays Kikaro or Olivo. So yeah, I think I have to go with Altmaier, but it's kind of, I guess, I mean, we don't, we don't really know how good he'll be after the US Open. Uh, well, after he hasn't played in a while. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. Uh, I, I like the draw for Altmaier. Uh, it's tough because like so many of these big names, we either lost, we either saw them retire like Varias last week, or yeah. we saw Tunabone. Uh, most of them, which is quite funny. Um, but I am going to go with one of those who lost for no. Never mind. I'm I'm not going with them. That's a bit silly. Uh, I'm going to go with a different player, and I will go with Camilo Gucarabe. Who was a bit uh, yeah. silly? Huh? Uh, no, I, I was thinking Bagnis, but then I was like, you know what? The, the draw is too hard. The draw is tough, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a tough draw, so we'll go with Ugo Karabay instead. Okay. Uh, I like the draw um, a, a, lot, a lot more in his case. Um, yeah. I feel like Altmaier is, is, a, is a bit of a stab in the dark. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's, he's uh, had, you know, some tough times recently. Uh, but yeah, Ugo Karabay, he hasn't had the best form either since winning Lima uh, in mid-August, but hopefully he can, he can get that mojo back, get back on that horse. And finally, we go to Charleston, which is uh, not on green clay like the WTA event, but on hard courts. Uh, and the top seat is Jordan Thompson playing Alexis Galarno, which is an interesting first rounder to start with. Uh, then we have Sebastian Pancelo playing Ethan Quinn. Dominic Kepfer plays Gianni Ross. Uh, and then Ernesto Escobedo or qualifier. Juan Pablo Fikovic is here playing Charles Broom. And then Alonso Cuaco or Zachary Svaida. Emilio Nava plays Andrew Harris. And then one of two qualifiers. Michael Moe plays a qualifier. And then Aiden McHugh or another qualifier. Dominic Stricker plays Nicolas Mejia. And then Mitchell Kruger or Paul Jubb. Stefan Kozlov plays Evan Zhu, and then Cannon Kingsley or Roberto Quiroz. Uh, Facundo Mena plays Valentin Bachero, and then Leandro Riedi or a qualifier. 
in the qualifying, we have uh, some interesting guys here. We have Gominanda. I, I actually I believe players started today there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got coming through Ryan Harrison, uh, Martin Dam lost in the first round to Garrett Johns. Teddy Sandgren came through the first round. Ayeni uh, lost in the first round, three and one, which is pretty interesting. I didn't see that that coming. Donald Young could, could, could qualify. Murphy Casson uh, could qualify. Patrick Gibson. So a lot of interesting names uh, for sure. So you could see a, a deep qualifying run, I think. Uh, in the doubles, it's once again Cash Patton, the top seeds, and probably the biggest favorites for the title. Although they have, I think, some more competition this time. Uh, like Andrew Harris and Luke Savile are the yeah, second seed. In the final, they could face some real issues. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, their section is quite easy. Um, then they have, you know, Nick Chappell and Govinanda, maybe, in the semis. Um, Jaziri and Mejia are here as well. Broom and Franzen, finalists from last week. They couldn't meet in the finals again, though unlikely. Martin Dam is playing with uh, Ryan Harrison. Uh, so, yeah, some some interesting pairings there. But back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title? Yeah, I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if some of the guys from the qualifying made runs here, like definitely uh, Marfi Casson, maybe, or uh, August Hunger. Uh, why not? Uh, he, he is a awesome college player as well. Uh, Harrison lost to, uh, I mean, retired to Nanda, but if, if healthy, he's actually also been playing quite well. Uh, but... Yeah, a lot of interesting names like Ethan Queen after the US Open qualities. You really want to see what he is able to do. Um, also, obviously, Canon Kingsley, Vashro, how he will play after winning Don Taburi. Did we ever see, did we even see him somewhere after Don Taburi? I don't think so, right? I, I don't think so. I mean, he played Davis Cup, okay. Lost to Hadi Habib and beat Benjamin Hassan. So I guess that's, that's around... Um, around what we would expect him to do. The Lebanon team is actually pretty strong for how uh, you don't really think of them uh, as a, as a t- t- nation rich in tennis players. I think Strikar is an option for sure, um, but I'm not... Uh, I, I don't know how these Charleston courts play. I haven't been able to see any point from the qualifying yet, but if they're not as fast as Columbus, then I don't know if I like that pick. I'm actually very, very close, and I think I will do that. I picked uh, Stefan Kozlov in recent weeks, but I'm I'm not going to do that again. He actually dropped like 80 points, so it's very possible that his top 100 window is over already. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Valentin Vacheron, you know? I, I don't want to go for a guy like Nava. I don't want to go for Thompson in back-to-back weeks, even though it's certainly possible. Uh, he has a few tough guys, like maybe Queen in the second round. Galarno even in the opening round is, is, is quite rough. Uh, Kepfer. Uh, yeah, so I, I I do think I have to go with Valentin Vacheron. I don't I don't know. It's it's another really like a very even draw. It feels you could pick a lot of guys here, and if Vacheron is playing the way he was in Nontaburi, I think I I just like his section. He he could win a few rounds here. All right, a bit bit of an out of nowhere pick I think for yeah. for me personally. Valentin I was looking at him. Um. But yeah, I, I'll just keep with my original pick, which was Emilio Nava. Uh, but like his first one, for sure. Uh, he, even the even the quarter, Kwako lost early last week. Fikovic is, you know, I, I, I feel like Nava's level on, on hardcore should be higher at this point. Um, and yeah, and then in, in the semis, you could have Kepfer, but Thompson has been, uh, obviously went all the way to the to the final. 
and won the title last week. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to be back in the semis here. Uh, so yeah, Emilio Nava, I quite like here for the title. All right. And that's all for this week. We only have four events. Uh, I saw that in, uh, I think in like October, every single week is going to have at least five events. And one week each in October and November has six of them, which is going to be just, uh, yeah. But, you know, they, they yeah. want to get the challengers next year to 195. So, I, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's... <laughs> I'm not really sure what to think about it, honestly. I think that I think there is a line somewhere where you probably should stop. Uh, but whether it's at 180, whether it's at 150, whether it's at 190, I have no clue. Uh, it's definitely also the the fact that you know in this part of the season we have five, four or five events constantly, and at the beginning of the year it's a little slower. So um, yeah, and they also added another challenger to the calendar, so it's 184 this year, not 183. And it's uh, Hamburg, the event that uh, was there at some point. I think Botic maybe won it in a, a couple of years ago. And it's added in the week with Vilnius and three non-European events, which mm -hmm. actually pissed me off because now Vilnius is not going to have, have a great field. Uh, we, should, we, we should learn the, the entry lists tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and anyhow, uh, well, thanks for listening. Of course, uh, we're very thankful that if you stayed here until the very end, and we're going to be back in a week to discuss Lisbon, uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Charleston, and uh, Orléans. Bye!